0: Welcome in to another edition of Kingdom Keys, brought to you by OHead Live. This is Price Carter coming to you with Nate Christensen, and we are absent Maurice this week. Um, He is actually lining up to play wide receiver for the Chiefs this week. They are so injured. So um, he had to go to practice, so unfortunately he couldn't make it this week. But we are happy to be with you, and you know, a little bit unusual for this podcast. Normally we're breaking down a pregame podcast, we're breaking down the keys to victory, but the good news is, is your Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, which gives us an opportunity to kind of reflect on the keys to victory from the AFC Championship game and look ahead to the Super Bowl 57 against the Philadelphia Eagles. Nate, what were your impressions? What were your big takeaways from the game against the Cincinnati Bengals?
1: Well, we can start on offense, and it was just one of those situations where it's just survive in advance. Because in the first half, we saw what the Chiefs were trying to do on offense. Which was they did a fair amount of like 13 personnel. They'd like motioned guys into formation, form like a four-strong formation where they have like four guys like on the same side and work off of that. And then Kadarius Tony gets hurt. And Michael Harvey gets hurt. Then GG Smith Schuster gets hurt. Then Isaiah Pacheco, he he stayed in, but I believe he was down at one point on the sideline. Travis Kelsey's hurt. Jody Fortune has a hurt elbow. And you saw the offense just slowly simplify because they didn't like when you're playing with sky Moore and nbs who played a great game but he had to now play the number one wide receiver role and marcus kemp you're just so limited on offense i mean they were probably running like things that they had like installed in the preseason because they like the guys in the offense just don't have a lot of experience in it and it ended up not mattering you know during the game i was like what are we doing why are we running the ball so much every time we run the ball it'd be like a tfl well like I thought about it, and I was like, what else was the Chiefs supposed to do? They had trouble moving the ball in the air because they just didn't have enough talent. But in the end on offense, they survived and they advanced, and that's all that mattered. They were able to pull out just enough plays to be a very, very good defense, and that's a testament to Danny Reed. That's a testament to the players, Patrick Mahomes. I thought the offense line pass protected pretty well, besides Orlando Brown against Joseph Osai. Everything else was relatively good for the most part, but... Um, we'll we'll get into it certainly with the wide receivers at the Super Bowl, but that was the biggest takeaway for me it was like with all the core parts stripped away, they were still able to function offense just enough to beat the freaking Bengals, who are an awesome team.
0: Yeah. And I mean, just to go right in on kind of what you're talking about, when it came to the offense, if I had sat here last week when we were talking about this game and said, All right, you're only gonna get twenty-three points from the offense, and oh by the way, the Chiefs are gonna have forty seven yards rushing and Patrick Mahomes is only going to have two passing touchdowns, I would have chalked this up as a loss, right? Because I just didn't think that the defense had it in them to hold the Bengals down as much as they did. And to the Bengals' credit, I think they came out and executed the game plan that they wanted to. Mm -hmm. They completely choked out the Chiefs' run offense. That was non-existent. And that was something that we had highlighted. You had a great poll last week where you talked about how well the Chiefs run under center versus out of shotgun. That was something that, was still in play for the Chiefs. They still run some of that, but not much, not nearly as much. And either way, the Chiefs' run game was just shut down. It was ineffective. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much a lot of the passing game, like we mentioned, was a pretty much a first-half product. They obviously had the big drive in the second half. But there for a while, we were all feeling deja vu. It all felt like so familiar, right? The Chiefs come out strong, waste opportunities in the first half. And the second half comes and the defense starts to choke up on the Chiefs again. And then the injuries, it just all kind of piled up on each other. And, I mean, one of my opinions is this game was a player two away from being a blowout again. It was headed that way. I agree. Right? I agree, like, yeah. <laughs> Kadarius Tony catches that ball. Now, that was a hard catch. I'm not going to call it a drop. But if he catches that pass... Mm-hmm. and then you know they don't get the hold on the andrew wiley with the isaiah pacheco run you're up 14 nothing real fast and set at six nothing and i don't know about you sitting and watching that game watching all the chiefs games i've watched against the Bengals. i can't even enjoy a six nothing lead because i'm like nope, nope. Yes. they've got to they've got to convert these i'm not gonna you know they're the cockroaches like you're not gonna let i'm not gonna say the Bengals are dead until there are zero seconds left on the clock but to to the credit of and i mean People don't get it, right? Like, Tom Brady retired today, and my dad called me, and he's like, so what's the deal with the Chiefs? They're going to the Super Bowl. Tell me about them. My dad's not a huge Chiefs fan. And he's like, well, I heard that there was a deal with the refs. And I was like, Dad, what did you and I used to do when we watched Tom Brady with the Patriots? And he's like, "Complain about the refs. And I was like, the Chiefs have Tom Brady now, okay? Like, people are always going to complain about the refs. We can sit here and talk about plays being made or not being made and what was called and not being called. But on one ankle, with none of the none of the game plan that they had really installed at their grasp in the second quarter, Patrick Mahomes was just better. And quite frankly, I think the difference in this game between him and Joe Burrow wasn't necessarily the big passes or the flashy plays that they made. It was the mistakes that Patrick Mahomes didn't make that Joe Burrow yes. did make. And, you know, we were talking, you were talking a little bit about Joseph Osai and how Orlando Brown struggled with him a little bit. I think some of the best plays that Patrick Mahomes made in this game was eating the ball and taking a couple of sacks. Mm -hmm. Um, His mobility obviously wasn't as good as we had wanted it to be, or as it has been in the past, he might have been able to escape those. But and in some ways it might've been a blessing in disguise for him to just play super, super conservative and eat the ball at times. And I thought this was the best the Chiefs have played against drop eight in quite some time. What did, I know that you just got out of the film room with uh, AP and the other guys on the other show. What did you guys see against the drop eight?
1: Uh, yeah. I, it, second half um, the Bengals didn't feel the need to do it quite as much because they could just like man up across the board, but kind of like I mentioned, like they would motion like four guys into like the same side of the formation and then, you know, run some type of, like, constant offense. So, uh, like, they would have someone run, like, a vertical route to clear, like, the cornerback or the safety. They have someone kind of run, like, a 17-yard route. And they would have kind of two, like, routes underneath. Um, one kind of over in the middle of the ball and one in the flat. So, they were able to kind of flood zones, which is something they didn't do last year uh, when they played them. Because that that just wasn't a huge part of their offense at that point. They were able to use motion to get into things. And they gave Mahomes, like, if you kind of remember the play where NVS kind of runs, like, the motion in and then back out, what they did was – so they had – I can't remember the receiver who did it. it. might have been Marcus Kemp. He runs deep. And they have Noah Gray and Jarek McKinnon just run straight down, like, that's check downs in the middle of the field. And that, like, put Mike Hilton in because he was ready to take that away. And then Mahomes, like, sold the sold that, then threw all the way to the flat to NVS and let him get 25 yards after that. So – it was, they just had more answers. They were putting more defenders in conflict this year. And they were basically like, all right, like we won't even like worry about like the backside here. We're just trying to get like an opening and letting our guys make yards and plays after that. And they were able to do that all game.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I don't think it can be said enough how much Marquez Valdez scantly stepped up in this game. Yes. Because not only did he have the performance that he had, he was the only thing that they had outside of Travis Kelsey. Right now, in most games, MVS is option number three or four for the passing offense, and he was option number one or two in this game, and still had the game that he had, which was mm-hmm. tremendous. I thought that, that that particular play that you're mentioning, I do remember it, and i I've always thought it was interesting. If you go back and watch some of the stuff MVS did in Green Bay, they used him a little bit more, like the Chiefs used Kadarius Tony in McCole Hardman. He's a little bit more gadgety for them, a bubble screen guy, and then a vertical threat. The Chiefs have not done that with him at all, and I. I wonder if that play was a play that they had designed for MVS originally, or maybe that was supposed to be Tony, or maybe that was supposed to be Hardman. Not entirely sure, but that I do remember that play sticking out to me a lot. Um, and I also wanna give credit to Isaiah Pacheco in this game. Um, this was a career high in receiving yards for him. And for the Chiefs running backs, most of the year, they've had a little bit of a tell. If Pacheco's in the backfield, they're probably running the ball or it's play action. He doesn't do a lot of pass blocking if they're in the shotgun it's probably Jarek mckinnon catching a pass or pass blocking Pacheco stepped up and had some really great run or yards after the catch here in this mm-hmm. game as well especially after contact there was two or three plays where it looked like he was stopped and then got another seven or eight yards in this game every single yard counted yes. So his his tough running was very very crucial in this game um flipping over to the other side of the ball um to me, this was Steve Spagnuolo's masterpiece. Um, Absolutely, Spags. You know, I I brought up some old tweets and old stories that I had earlier in this year about people who were ready to fire Spags after the uh, previous Cincinnati game, but Steve Spagnuolo is such a great big game coordinator, and he was really in his bag. More specifically, uh, something that I saw pulled: this was the lowest blitz percentage that the Chiefs have had all season with Steve Spagnuolo and credit him for seeing what he had on the field. He quickly saw in the first, you know, the Chiefs held the Bengals to zero yards in the first quarter, and a big part of that was they were getting so much pressure with four, that he quickly realized there's no need for me to blitz. I'm gonna drop seven, drop eight, I'm gonna play the Bengals cards against them, and we're gonna put double coverage on the two best players. Now, Tyler Boyd getting injured, Definitely had an impact on that. I think he could have been the backbreaker for the Chiefs. But, mm-hmm. hey, the Chiefs lose three wide receivers. They lose Tyler Boyd. Those things even out over the game. But credit Spags for seeing that. And it, it, even the even the plays that T. Higgins and Jamar Chase did make, which they made some blue-chip player plays in these game, right? Like that catch that Chase had on, like, fourth and six or whatever it was. He's going up and getting the ball, and there's two guys draped all over him that's just one of those plays you can't, you can't say anything other than like, that's just an elite
1: player. Right.
0: So I You know, I, like I said, this is Spag's masterpiece in my mind.
1: Yeah. So um, kind of depending on like what they were lining up in was a big deal, but they were basically like w- clouding or like playing cover two. So they have a safety right over the top of chase or they would just bracket him, play him inside out. They were not like Steve Spagnuolo had a concrete game plan. We are not letting Jamar chase beat us. Like, Besides that one fourth and six play, I like they tackled him and McDuffie tackled him in the flat twice, and he had a couple other catches. But it was not like I mean we all remember that game where he went off two hundred fifty five yards or whatever he did. That was not the strategy of this game. They're like we are not letting Jamar Chase beat us. Uh, every motion they had everything ready for. Then you know on some downs they would also like if T Higgins was isolated they would you know bracket him they would cloud him. They were not going to let Joe Burrow. They must have had a tell but they were not going to let Joe Burrow work the backside to T Higgins and Jamar chase, because for most teams that's death because if you have your coverage on the other side of the field, they're just going to throw it up to chase or they're going to throw it to Higgins and almost no team in the NFL had answers. The chiefs had answers. Their answer was, we're just not going to let you do that. And if that means, you know, if that means we're more vulnerable on the front side, that's fine. But they defended that fine too. I will say this. I've been a Nick Bolton critic. That was his best coverage game. He really did a good job taking away things in the middle of the field. Trent McDuffie did an awesome job there too. They were driving on things, but like if Nick Bolton played, I, I if you remember this last week, I said Nick Bolton cannot afford to play a bad game in coverage like he did the first time. He didn't, and it made a huge difference. Um, I mean, we all remember him getting juked out of his shoes by Joe, Joe Burrow, but like besides that, every he took away crossers, like everything that like Burrow was kind of working back to was taken away. And then finally, like you said, like the pass rush. They they were able to get there in time. They didn't let Joe Burrow create out of structure. They finished sacks. Burrow was not comfortable at all. Like if you saw him in that Buffalo game, he can like it could have been me, like in those pockets back there. But he was not comfortable at all. He was drifting into pressure. He ran into his left guard like four separate times. Like he just like I, I thought Joe Burrow played an okay game, but he was not like handling pressure well. So the Chiefs were able to just blend everything together. And I thought that was huge. Joe. They were able to take away some of those shots. And like you mentioned at times, yes, T Higgins beat you twice down the sidelines. That's going to happen. He's like a top 10 receiver in the league. Like that, that that's just going to happen. But overall they made Cincinnati work every single possession. And that ultimately, like how many times did Joe Burrow dirt the football? Like yeah. four or five times. That was just him giving up because he was like, he was like, we're, we're wrong. We have the wrong answer here. So yeah, over the course of the game, they had a couple of just key conversions, but the Chiefs made it hard, and that's all you can ask for is as elite offenses.
0: And, you know, I know we're talking about the defense right now, but I think that's, you know, we talked about QB1, QB2, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. I think that's the difference between him and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is mm-hmm. an elite on-schedule passer. Off yes. schedule, it's not it's not there. And Patrick Mahomes' off schedule is still able to generate so much. And I, and I do think that that's the big difference between them. But, uh, you know, one player also that definitely deserves their flowers, and this was such a great game for that, right? There were so many Chiefs who have had rough seasons and had a chance to redeem themselves in this game. And Justin Reed was an, a person that I thought played probably one of their best games as a Chief. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did he shut down Tyler Higg, but he also shut down Hayden Hurst. <laughs> And he he played a tremendous game and really has just come on strong here in the back part of the season. Mm -hmm. I thought he did a great job of filling the run. And to your credit, just kind of like we were talking about the Chiefs defense and the hash marks, another big factor in the previous games have been the running backs in the flat. Smadja Pirine killed them last game. And Joe Mixon, Smadja Pirine combined for 47 yards receiving in this game. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And Hayden Hurst really only got them once or twice. And that play in the end zone that Justin Reed broke up, that was huge. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the middle of that defense really came to play, and that's including two of the players that they have who exist in the middle quite a bit with Willie Gay and Lilijarius Sneed who both left this game. Yeah, I'm constantly surprised at how physical Trent McDuffie is, given the lack of size concerns that he had coming into the draft. But he's a fantastic tackler, and he's willing to stick his nose in there. And, you know, Brian Cook had a great game as far as you know, he kind of had his ups and his downs, but tipping that pass was definitely his best play of the game. And I thought Joshua Williams really came, really came on strong off the bench. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there was kind of that weird thing in the beginning of the season where Watson was the starter and they kind of went back to Williams, Now back to, you know, it, it kind of bounced back and forth. But I really think the best thing that Spags and Brett Veach did differently this year than they've done in the past is they started playing those rookies week one, day one. Mm-hmm. And all those guys were ready to go in this game. Shavarius Ward, if you remember back in 2018, they stuck. They started playing him really late in the season in that game in Seattle against Russell Wilson. He was still basically a rookie going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They did not have rookies on the field last night. I know in name they did, but in snap count they did not. That was their, you know, right. like their 18th game of the season, 19th game of the season. So um, just a lot of credit to them. And I think like we can definitively say like Chris Jones Hall of Fame game. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. you know I Hall of Fame case is pretty tough for a defensive tackle, but with his sacks and everything, definitely Ring of Honor. Like he's going on the Ring of Honor. For sure. Yeah. And this was the game because again, going back to being the marked man, the, the definition of a blue chip player is someone that you can game plan for all week. And oh yeah, the Bengals touched a little sign every time that said did you get a hand on Kelsey? Well, guess what? He's still got like 87 yards and he's still mm-hmm. got a touchdown. And everyone said four hands on Chris Jones every snap. And guess what? Two sacks. Being able to be that game record, that player that everyone knows in the stadium you have to defend against or protect against, and you still can't do it, is what makes him Chris Jones. And what makes him one of the best players in the
1: NFL this year? It was his magnum opus. Like oh, it was, absolutely. It was probably the best game he's ever played as a Chief. I mean, he was just, consi- yes, backup offensive lineman, but it's not like it wasn't that last year when we played the Bengals. Like, and he just was wrecking stuff. They had, like, they were trying to double him. They were trying to put four hands on him, and it did not matter. That You know, he obviously got that one sack to end the game at defensive end, but he could have had three or four sacks in the interior. I tweeted out earlier in the week, like, Bengals fan, uh, not Bengals fans, because Bengals fans are obviously coping, but, like, NFL fans, we're talking about, like, this alleged hold, which was not a hold. Watch Chris Jones and Frank Clark. They were held all game long. And I think Chris Jones only drew one holding penalty, like – those two were getting held all game long, but yes, it was Chris Jones's magnum opus. And you might look at the stats back. Well, he only had like seven, eight pressures, but he was just consistently wrecking things. Joe Burrow had no idea how to like mitigate that at all. And like, it's one of those games that you are going to, I at least will remember for Chris Jones's career. Like when Chris Jones eventually hangs it up or whatever, this will probably be the game. I remember the most out of him because he, he was the best player on the field, both sides. It like, Patrick Mahomes played great. Travis Kelsey played great. If they didn't have that Chris Jones performance, they are not in the Super Bowl right now.
0: Absolutely, I want to give a quick shout out to to the Chiefs' special teams. We've we've been pretty uh, pretty critical of them on this podcast from time to time. Rightfully so, they were pretty awful this year. But Harrison Butker is you know just became classic. Off Harrison Bucker and it's just nailed everything Tommy Townsend and him have really gotten the hold down and much better one thing that I thought was really cool if you watch this kind of the slow-mo of the kick to win the game uh, Tommy Townsend's already up hugging Harrison Bucker before the kick is even good because he knew he knew that he nailed it and that's awesome and then you know even Sky Moore right like Stephen St. John from Sports Radio 810 did a really good interview with him in the locker room after the game, and Sky Moore said, "I didn't want to be back there anymore. I got to a place where I didn't want to be back there anymore because I thought I was going to drop it. I mean, he basically just had the football edition of the yips, right? And not only did he make a play, but that game that that game that he had on the punt return." like gave the Chiefs like 17 points of expected win percentage in a single player, Mm -hmm. something ridiculous, like their chances of going of winning that game went up so much with that big return. So special teams was great because not only did they mitigate risk, they mitigate penalties. There wasn't a whole lot of variance going on there. That's what we've been asking for them. But they made plays when they had the opportunity to.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, people obviously got on Joseph side, which I will say I feel bad for him about. It was a bad play, but he really played well the rest of the game. Actually, if I was a Bengals fan, the most mad I would be at is that special teams to give up that, like for your punter to pump punt right in the middle of the field. Yeah. Why did like, they not put it out of bounds? Well, that in very short hang time, it was a, like, I don't know what the wind was. I know the wind was kind of bad there. So, but that was like, and was there a block in the back? Maybe I would just say this. Every punt return is block in the back. Like yeah. every single, like, I don't, I don't want to hear that because like, if I sat through and watched every single punt, there would be a block in the back at some point. So like, I'm not going to, like, I understand that like, it looks bad. All I'm going to say is I bet if I watched that game, I could find five blocks in the back some punts. That's just, that's a punt return. So, but yeah, that, that to me is where if I was a Bengals fan, I'd be so mad right now that we gave up that return, but like credit sky Moore, he, he pulled through in that moment. I mean, I, I wouldn't lie. I didn't want him back there, but Everyone else is gone. Who else are you going to put back there? And he made the plays that mattered.
0: And, you know, just kind of going back a year, a lot of people talked about why did the Bills kick the ball through the end zone instead of squibbing it to run out the clock in the AFC Divisional round against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. The Chiefs really executed that end-of-game series well, too. The Bengals did not even get close to returning that ball. There was going to be no Miami miracle. They got Mm -hmm. that taken care of. So really great execution there. I want to ask you a question just about these two teams. Which team is more likely to be back in the AFC championship next year? Bengals or Chiefs?
1: Uh, I'm going to say both. Like, I actually think we're going to get a matchup of this again next year because I, you know, just to talk about the AFC real quick, don't know what Baltimore situation is going to be right now. I think Buffalo will have to take a small step back uh, as their kind of roster is starting to age out a little bit. They're going to lose a couple guys. Um, other team like the Chargers, I think will be good, but – I mean, they basically just hired the better version of Joe Lombardi as their offensive of coordinator. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the teams at AFC real quick. Point is, like, I think these are still the two best teams at AFC next year. I do think the Bengals will be back. I, I look, They're going to have a lot of cap space. So someone on Twitter mentioned they might make their Von Miller move this offseason to go all in. And I think that would make sense for them, um, assuming they're willing to spend money, which is they're kind of notorious for not spending money. But I actually think if you said, like, which one would I bet on more, it would be the Chiefs. But I actually think we are going to get part three of this next year because I think they, they're they kind of in where, like, the Bills were coming into this year with their roster next year, where it's like they're kind of not the favorites, but, like, their roster just kind of lines up well. Everything's, like, on the right timeline or whatever. So I'll, I'll say Chiefs, but I, I really think these two teams are going to be back next year in this same spot again.
0: I'm glad you heard the, that opinion there's kind of i've seen a lot of people on twitter that have talked about like oh well th- this was the bengals last good chance and oh, I, I, I don't oh. i don't necessarily see that either they still got two more cheap years of joe burrow left he will get an mm-hmm. extension this year but they usually do the fifth year option for that last one and they kind mm-hmm. of have one more cheap year before it'll really start kicking in and you know I, i've seen a couple of mocks that have kind of predicted t higgins might get traded i don't think they trade t higgins no. I think I think if anyone, Tyler Boyd might be gone in a couple of years because he's on a on a big boy contract already, mm-hmm. or maybe it's Jamar Chase. But there is absolutely a situation in three years where Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and uh, Joe Burrow cost $100 million against the salary cap. Oh, yeah, for absolutely. sure. <laughs> it's absolutely possible. So mm-hmm. there's going to be some cap casualties there. All Their right. defense is propped up quite a bit by free agency. There's mm-hmm. a lot of good players that need to come back on that team. But I'm right there with you. I, I don't necessarily – do I think that if I had to pick, I agree with you, I think it'd probably be the Chiefs, only because they have the pedigree. Right. This was the year that they weren't supposed to make it. Now, who knows? They might not be playing in Arrowhead. We've loved that narrative right. for so long, but it might be somewhere else. Heck, who knows? According to the NFL, it might be in, um Studio Azteca, the freaking uh, <laughs> stadium in Mexico, because we're doing neutral sites now for conference championships, apparently. But, um, you know, I... I think that the Bengals are absolutely going to be right there again, and mm-hmm. I agree. Like these are the th- these are the three best quarterbacks. If you're feeling colorful, you could say maybe the Trevor Lawrence takes the next step, or Deshaun, uh, nah. Deshaun Watson yeah. returns to form, or maybe Aaron Rodgers gets traded to some AFC team. But to me, I think it's Burrow, Allen, Herbert, and maybe this is the year that the, you know the Bills get it back together. There was a lot of expectations mm-hmm. put on that team this year. They had a lot happen to them personally this year. I just think it was a lot. They'll get Von Miller back next year. Tre'Davious White will have a full season to recover. I think that they mm-hmm. will really prioritize getting another weapon for Allen this year. So I think there's a chance that maybe we're talking about them next year. But I think you know I think it's these three teams duking it out for the conference championship again.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Baltimore maybe, but I, I'm I'm still skeptical of what's going to happen there. I mean, who knows who they're going to hire as office coordinator? I, I really don't know if Lamar can even finish seasons. I mean, I really, I'm actually like all in on this. Like, I really am worried about Lamar like finishing seasons at this point. I mean, it's been two in a row that he's not been able to get well, past like week yeah, ten.
0: Players usually don't get more healthy, that, right? That, that's not normally how that goes. And also, again, they are their own worst enemies. They play so well with the roster that they have that's so stacked mm-hmm. everywhere else, they're not going to be in a position to go get, I mean, maybe this year because of the wide receiver class being a little bit lesser, they can get a Quentin Johnston, a Jordan mm-hmm. Addison, um, a Jalen Hyatt maybe, but they, that's not really like what they need. They need, they need a game breaker offensive weapon and mm-hmm. that's not what they have. So yeah, I look forward to them being the spice of the month in September because nobody knows how to, you know, win a t- game 51 to 10, like the <laughs> September uh baltimore ravens but all right let's move on to our next topic here so real quick before we kind of shift to the eagles i want to ask you just this question about the chiefs in general what player or coach has the most to gain from winning super bowl 57 for the chiefs whose legacy has the most to gain is it patrick mahomes getting his second ring is it travis kelsey is it andy Reid? or is there a player that maybe didn't win a ring originally with the 2019 Mm -hmm. team that might
1: gain a lot from winning a ring I mean, it's hard not to say Andy Reid. I mean, that's just like, that's the easy answer. And I mean, this game really is a testament to Andy Reid in general. uh, How the Andy Reid, like the one thing Andy Reid will always have over Bill Belichick is that his staffs and his model of football was more sustainable across the NFL. And like the Eagles are still very much an Andy Reid organization. Sure, Nick Sirianni wasn't necessarily a guy under Andy Reid directly, but Howie Roseman was there when Andy Reid was the head coach and Jeffrey Lurie was the owner who hired Andy Reid. And I mean, guys on their roster like Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, all Andy Reid draft picks. So that organization is still very, very much ran like an Andy Reid organization. So, but for Andy, I mean, I don't think there's probably a lot of animosity there. I I really don't like, I don't, they seem to like, I remember they kind of parted ways. It wasn't really being fired. Andy needed a new, yeah. A new opportunity. But I, I think it's Andy. Like if people will remember the fact that when you play your former team, if Andy gets his second ring beating his former team, especially a team as stacked as the Eagles, that's just a huge testament to him. I mean it's a huge testament to already. Andy Reed's already won, but especially if he gets that second Super Bowl against his former team, that's that's gonna look great on Andy Reid's resume whenever he hangs it up, coaching. I'll
0: disagree with you a little bit. I think that what Andy Reid has done, cause his coaching career is divided up into two franchises, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got a strong performance with both both franchises. And the great thing about Andy Reid's uh, like coaching history is you've got this whole chunk of it towards like, okay, well, this is where he didn't have the star quarterback and just went to conference championships mm-hmm. and playoffs and was, you know, 12 wins every season. And then here's the part where he got his Super Bowl winning quarterback and he was exponentially better. Yes. bill belichick's roster or kind of coaching history goes the opposite way right it's like mm-hmm. this is the giant stack of wins with tom brady then here's everything else mm-hmm. i think it's mahomes that and mm-hmm. honestly probably quite a few players chris jones travis kelsey i think you right. know, both those players are probably on the hall of fame path but they lock in a second ring and it's done but for for me it's patrick mahomes you go and win the one super bowl on your rookie contract against a very good 49ers team in dramatic fashion you're you know you're a super bowl winner you that puts you in the conversation of just being a great quarterback mm-hmm. then the next one happens you lose to tom brady without four offensive linemen the whole you know drama that happened super bowl week with the reed family in general there's a lot of things going on there that you can look at the game and go it makes sense that they they got their asses kicked in that yeah. game <laughs> this game and look we're gonna dive into the eagles here in a second the eagles might be the best two through 53 roster in the nfl
1: absolutely not even close
0: (laughs) you can't go lose to jalen hurts if you're patrick Mahomes. i just don't think you can and i'm gonna read a stat here in a second that just talks a little bit about that but i I don't think you can go and lose to a guy who got benched for tua you know like i know that that was alabama and that was a long time ago but jalen hurts and this roster i think when you start looking at the body of work and everything I, i think that patrick Mahomes losing to him would kind of be a real legacy dinger and i know that We'd look back and say, oh, that was a great Eagles team, and Mm -hmm. Nick Sirianni is a great coach. But that's not what everyone remembers. Everyone remembers the quarterbacks. You know, I remember the Kurt Warner-Ben Roethlisberger Super Bowl when I was growing (laughs) up, and that being a great Super Bowl. But back then, Ben Roethlisberger Roethlisberger was more of a game manager, and Kurt Warner was the gunslinger in that game. But, you know, like, you can't can't lose to Jalen Hurts. You lock up Mm -hmm. that second ring before you're 27. Everything else is gravy as far as Super Bowl goes. It's a real elite club to go to two win mm-hmm. three, than rather than go to three and lose two.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about quarterbacks that only really like I'm not counting Peyton Manning's second ring. That he was, yeah, I go. saw something today. He had a That's QBR right. of like, I love Peyton Manning, but he had a QBR of like eight in that game. Like he, <laughs> he was done. Like he could have oh, it, it was, it was terrible, man. I yeah. remember
0: when he came back in and replaced Brock Osweiler because they like, remember they like semi benched him and mm-hmm. then like Manning called an audible for a run play that went. Like the distance for a touchdown. And like the 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 broadcast was just licking the microphone. So, like, oh my gosh, I've never seen an audible like this before. This is just what, what Peyton Manning right. can do. And I was like, oh my. Yeah. But, okay. Back on. So, yeah.
1: Point. So, I mean, think about quarterbacks that have one ring. So, Peyton Manning had one ring in his prime. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Dan Marito didn't win any rings. John Elway didn't win any until he was, you know, in that Peyton Manning ish stage of his career. Brett Favre only has one Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. He only has one Super Bowl. Like, there's a lot of great top 10, top five quarterbacks of all time that win one Super Bowl. But, like, everybody kind of consensus agrees. The two best quarterbacks of all time are Joe Montana and Tom Brady. And, yes, four and seven rings, even for a guy like Patrick Mahomes, is probably lofty. That's just what the NFL will tell you. But when you get to two, that that's a whole different stratosphere. You're now in that top three, top five category because it's just something that most teams aren't able to do. I mean, think about, like, Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman was – I mean, he was a quarterback for Ironman Live, but, like – Troy Aikman is one of the most like famous quarterbacks of all time because he has three Super Bowls, right? Even though Troy Aikman's probably what like the twentieth best quarterback ever, but by like name popularity, he's probably like top five. That's what multiple Super Bowls will get you. People were Eli Manning. I, I left one easy there. Eli Manning was like an average quarterback for most of his career, but he had two Super Bowl wins and look what that's done for Eli Manning in his career. If he didn't have those Super Bowl wins, no one would talk about him.
0: Well, the last name certainly helped, certainly doing that's some work fair. there, too, for Eli. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the Troy Aikman comparison is the one that I would bring up. You know, you go and get your second or third ring in the near future. The, the thing with Mahomes is the Super Bowl wins, right, when you compare them to Montana or Brady, mm-hmm. it's it's very lofty. You, that's a very good point. But to to counter that point, no one ever sits around and goes, gosh, Bill Russell's the greatest basketball player to ever right. lived." It's Michael Jordan. Because Michael Jordan, when you watch him play and you look at the stats – was the most dominant player of his generation. He didn't win as much, but he had quite a few, right? So if Mahomes mm-hmm. cashes 3 or 4 and keeps going on the statistical path that he's on, there's definitely the narrative like, okay, it's him and, you know, maybe two other quarterbacks mm-hmm. that are the greatest of all time. So, I definitely agree like you got to cash when you get the opportunities to get these championships cuz it seems so in the moment right now easy. But it's a long road to get here, man. And it was a long, winding road for the Chiefs to get to this place. You forget about, like, oh, you know, they needed this team to lose that week. And (laughs) there was a game canceled in Cincinnati. Like, there's some crazy stuff to get to this point right now. And you don't want to waste it losing to Jalen Hurts. Right. So... Let's just do a quick sneak peek underneath the covers of what we're thinking about for the Super Bowl. Obviously, we've got a whole nother week to get into this mm-hmm. game where we can break down every single number and, oh, you know, they're 4 0 whenever they get a lead or in the first quarter or whatever. But what are just some your big takeaways from this game?
1: How can the Chiefs mitigate the Eagles' advantage on the offensive and defensive lines? I've watched a lot of the Eagles this year because, personally, like, it's funny how they're, like, I mentioned they're an Andy Reid built team because they're, like, my favorite built roster in the NFL. Their offensive defensive lines are insane. They're deep, they're loaded, and they're full of talent. So to talk quick about their offensive line. It's ridiculous. It's probably the best offensive line of, like, my football memory. I mean, Maelotta, Lane Johnson are probably two Pro Bowl. um, Lane Johnson is the best right sack in the league. Jason Kelsey is the best center in the league. Jordan Maelotta, Landon Dickerson, very good players. Isaac Somala, very good player. They... We'll talk about this next week, but like it does, Jalen Hurts has such a margin of error because their offense is not built through Jalen Hurts, it's built through that offensive line. Go watch that 49ers game last week. I tweeted this multiple times, I could have been in the pocket. Like they, like Nick Bosa, Ark Armstead, they couldn't do anything against those guys, no matter what they tried. They could not get any pressure to them all. I'll just say this one quick stat Giants and 49ers, two good defensive lines, they didn't get a single quarterback hit on Jalen Hurts. And, yeah, they didn't throw the ball at ton. That's insane. So how can the Chiefs mitigate that both in the run game and the pass game? We'll talk about that next week. But also on the other side of the ball, they just have waves of pass rushers. Hassan Reddick, Brandon Grant, Joshua, Robert Quinn, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargreaves, Lonville Joseph, Jordan Davis, the Dominican Sioux. They just have waves and waves of pass rushers that can get after you. So, you know, we'll see what the Chiefs receivers have. But how can the Chiefs mitigate that? because we saw obviously the Chiefs offensive line is improved now but the one thing that really like killed their offense through 2018 through 2021 was that bucks defensive line obviously the context of the offensive line injuries big deal i understand but the eagles have a better defensive line than probably they have like 78 sacks through 18 games like they're just they come at you in waves and i'm just interested to see how the chiefs try and mitigate that because as good as patrick Moses is at avoiding sacks they get quick sacks. Like Hassan Reddick will be in the backfield instantly. Javon Hargreave is a quick pass rusher. So, how can the Chiefs and Andy Reid? This is the Andy Reid. He has to mitigate that defensive line in every way possible. Because if you let them tee off, I don't think the Chiefs can stop them. They're just too talented.
0: Yeah, I think you know when I when I look at the Eagles again, the best two through fifty three roster in the NFL.
1: Not even and, close. And, and and
0: the scary thing is they have a top 10 pick and their own first this yeah. year man they're a, they're one of the few teams that you can absolutely say yeah draft Bejon Robinson because you've got the, <laughs> you've got the picks to spend but you know we'll worry about next year's super bowl next year mm-hmm. when you look at the eagles i think you're looking at a better version of the two thousand nineteen Ravens, a team mm-hmm. that has a script that they want to, a team that can run the ball so effectively that it's almost as effective as passing the ball. Mm-hmm. The, this is the one of the best ground teams to have ever played the game. Yes, and and that's no not hyperbole. The when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles they might be the threshold of like okay we need to talk about the strength of schedule a little bit <laughs> generally in the nfl that's not a concern because it is you know all 32 teams mm. any given sunday all that jazz but they have played nobody and Absolutely. the few times that they have played somebody they've struggled a little bit mm-hmm. uh this is just a little poll that i did um you know i'm getting excited for super bowl i tweeted today we're moving <laughs> on okay so this is jalen hurts 37 starts so this is all starts in his career. There's a little 2020, 20, 21, 22. Mm-hmm. He is 4-8 and eight versus QBs ranked in the top 15 in QBR for that year. He is 0-6 against QBs ranked in top 15 QBR on teams that have won 10-plus games. <laughs> he is 14-2 and two versus QBs ranked in the bottom half of QBR that season. So big big difference there. He's 7-2 mm-hmm. and two versus backup quarterbacks who didn't even qualify for QBR that year. And the QBs that Hurts have beat. Ranked top 14 in QBR in his career are Jared Goff and Daniel Jones twice. He is 0-5 against Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. There is a definite resume concern here. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not a big QB wins guy. Like I I understand that most of those are win stats. But -hmm. the fact is, is that this Eagles team in the past two years have really just played off a strong, a weaker schedule, and I understand that that was, that that was a good division this year. But the NFC needs to be relegated to the Pac-10. Man, just, <laughs> the 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 AFC is the the SEC. It just means more. Mm-hmm. And I this it's just going to be a very interesting game. I think that if it is super crucial for the Chiefs to not let the the Eagles stay on script. If yes, they go, if they if they get the ball and they go down and score seven, it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the Eagles might be the best opening script team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like I was watching the NFC championship with my wife and she doesn't watch a lot of football. And I told her, I was like, the Eagles got the ball. They're going to go score. They, mm-hmm. they will go score. And they know that that matters to them. They go for the smart fourth downs. Nick Sirianni mm-hmm. is a very good coach and an aggressive yep. coach. Yep. But I don't think Jalen Hurts is a hundred percent healthy. I yep. do think that the chiefs just showed that they can control a team with two great wide receivers. Mm-hmm. However, we just talked about the way that they were able to do that is because they basically never blitzed. Mm-hmm. If you're not blitzing against this offensive line, you're going to have a hard time. Now You're going to lose. <laughs> secretly, you're going to lose, yeah. Very secretly, the Eagles offensive line ranks 12th in sacks allowed this year. Mm-hmm. They do give up some sacks, and not all those are Gardner Minshews. They gave up five sacks against the Cowboys when they played them with Jalen Hurts, and that was mm-hmm. a Cooper Rush game. I do think that if they can slow down the running game, and make Jalen Hurts throw the ball to beat them. I do think that there is a path there, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to take a clean game on the offense for the Chiefs. Absolutely, yep. like they they cannot afford to turn the ball over in this game. And you know, there's a lot of comparisons to this team to the 49ers team that they played in 2019 in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs offense just isn't that explosive. I don't think Jet right. Wasp happens with this current iteration of the offense. They are much yes. more methodical, but you can run on the Eagles a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and and I almost every real offense that the Eagles faced this year. They, they gave up 33 to the mm-hmm. to the Giants, or not to the Giants, the Packers. They gave up, uh, what was it to Dak Prescott? That 40, I, I think, think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, anytime they faced a real NFL offense, they've given it up. I don't mm-hmm. think Darius Slay and uh, James Bradbury are as good as the credit that they're getting. I do think that they can be had there. It's gonna be really mm-hmm. important for the Chiefs to get the wide receiver core healthy. Cause I do think this has shootout potential.
1: So it's a, you know, obviously situation football is a big deal, but the thing I think the Eagles will do is they're going to be like, okay, we are going to limit possessions. We are going to run the ball over and over and over again. And you know what? The chiefs aren't going to be able to stop it. I mean, no one has, and the chiefs are not the best run defense in the NFL. They're fine, but they're not great. The Eagles have a lot of problems, but as always say, we stop in the run against a really good running team. Just get one, just get one stop. And like you said, I'm not super scared of hurts on a hurt elbow or a hurt shoulder in their passing game. It's a lot of just vertical shots down the sidelines. We just saw the Chiefs defend that. And like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, very good players. They're not jump ball winners at, in the way that Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are. If I if you said like, hey, like Jalen Watson with like a safety helping him over the top for Devontae Smith, I'll take it. I'll say the same thing about A.J. Brown. And their passing game is way less like diverse So just get him to third down. I'm going to be writing about this next week. Get him to third down and blitz, and I think we'll be able to stop him. That's just have to get him there, and that's what makes them so hard to stop.
0: There's one other thing that I want to talk about with this game, and I'm not sure a lot of people are breaking this down. Did you know that Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey have the same mother? No way. It's true. It is true. I've been told that. So we're going to cut it short there. We've got a lot more Kingdom Keys coming up next week all about the Super Bowl. We're very excited to break down this game with you guys. We're very excited that you guys are locked in on Arrowhead Pride this week. Keep it coming. we got lots of good content all related to the Super Bowl. We can't wait for this game with you guys. Make sure you're following Nate on Twitter at NateCH32. And you can follow me on Twitter at ArrowheadPrice. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great day.